Hello everyone, uh, welcome to a new podcast, The Devil Wears Palada. My name's Chris Oakley, and I'm very pleased to say that for this and every episode, I will be joined by Rich Johnson. Hello, Rich. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And how are yourself? I'm not too bad, not too bad at all. Uh, nice to be back doing pods, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, by my reckoning, I think it's about 16 months since I last did a podcast and probably nearer to two years since you and I did one together, which would have been on one of the old Kiplis podcasts that we used to do. So um, it's been a while. And, um, you know, I think there was a need to sort of have a bit of a break and take stock of everything and, you know, do other things in life. But but we're back again and a new name, a new podcast, a new project. So it's all very exciting. And, uh, you know, some 57 seconds into episode one, I think everything's going tremendously well so far. Um, but uh, anyway, um, just to sort of say, essentially, uh, there'll be some of you that perhaps know us and have listened to our podcast before, and there'll be some of you who haven't. And I think maybe, Rich, just to, before we kind of plunge into into the podcast, maybe do a quick sort of summary of like what we've done in the past. I was just going to sort of say that um, Rich and I, for those who don't know, Rich and I used to do a blog site called The Football Attic, which is all about football nostalgia. And we did that for about four years, up till 2015. And then after that, we... Well, from that, we did uh, the Football Attic Kit podcast. And then in more recent times, we've done the Kit Bliss podcast, which is an offshoot of my website, kitbliss.co.nz. So for any of you that don't know us, and you're keen to hear more of us, I know it's difficult to get your head around at this stage. Um, if you want to hear more of us, we've done podcasts in the past for years and years and years. So it's all out there on the web. Kitbliss or Football Attic, it's all out there. But um, yeah, this this podcast of ours, Rich, I guess we're sort of trying to bring to the table some old favourite features and maybe a few new things thrown in from time to time. Yeah. Um, and I think we just thought, we, like you say, we needed a break from it for a while. We've done it sort of continually for probably... I don't know, about eight years, I think, we'd done, really, because we started the Football Attic podcast in about 2013. Um, And it was nice to have a break from it. But I think after a while, we were sort of all thinking, uh, yeah, we kind of do miss doing the podcast. And I think we just like chatting about shirts and football kit design, really. So we thought, Mm. yeah, why not come back? But we didn't want to do it as a Football Attic kit podcast because... You know, that's kind of a thing in the past. And obviously, we didn't want to do it as a kit list because that's specifically your site. So we were like, we had the fun task of finding a name, which, you know, <laughs> as we did with the original Football Attic, uh, it's taken us about six months. <laughs> <laughs> but the minute you suggested this one, Chris, because I'm, pr- I'm sure it was you that suggested this one, it was, it was immediately, I was just like, I love the name because it's like... Obviously, it's a play on on the film The Devil Wears Prada, um, mm-hmm. and I just love the fact it's Pilada, which is like <laughs> a, a manufacturer that doesn't even exist anymore. It's a proper sort of that's one for the hardcore fans. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't understand the reference, then you're probably not listening to the right podcast, essentially. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of. Uh, what we were aiming for. We, uh, the good thing about it, of course, is that it, you know we probably won't be sued by anybody because, as you say, the, the company isn't around anymore. If we'd have done some play on words, you know, involving Adidas or Nike or something, then yeah, it could have got a bit, a bit, a bit expensive after a while. Um, 
but uh, no, that's it's uh, it's always the the fun part trying to come up with a name for a new project, and we did really spend a bit too long. But anyway, we're here now. Um, uh, now, just one or two other things, just to sort of mention for anybody who's new to us and football kit stuff is. Um, uh, as well as all our previous projects, you may well hear mention of a couple of mutual friends of ours who cropped up on previous podcasts. So there's Jay from designfootball.com. There's John Devlin from True Colors Football Kits. Who knows? They may well crop up on this podcast from time to time. And the fact that they're not on this podcast is not because we've fallen out with them or anything like that, by the way. So it's not, that's just a vicious rumor that you, um, you've already started circulating on social media. Um, no, um, we're just sort of, um, getting back in a way to the original sort of football attic kit podcast that we used to do, which were very simple and, uh, had a simple premise, simple structure. So I guess we're sort of doing, that kind of thing again, but uh, you may well hear Jay and John mentioned in future podcasts because you know they're mutual friends of ours and uh, football kit enthusiasts and so on. So f- for anybody who don't who doesn't know who they are, that's who they are. Uh, but now I think you're fully briefed. I think we can probably get started on this uh, on this podcast uh, now. Rich, what's our going to what's going to be our main focus today? Well, um, how do you do a new podcast? Where do you start? Well. We thought that we'd lay down the law. Um, so we decided that we were going to do the Ten Commandments, though it might not be ten, a little uh, disclaimer there, it might not be ten, we'll see how we get on. Uh, the Ten Commandments of Football Kit Design, i.e. what we think are should be the absolute laws when it comes to football kits. Um, we've basically sort of come up with a list ourselves, uh, so one for me, one for you, and we'll basically just go through them, and then we'll vote on them at the end and see if we come up with ten. If not, it's whatever. You know, we're not fixed on ten. It doesn't have to be that. We're not. We're not going full Bible on this one. We're just sort of seeing what we come up with. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what we're doing. We're doing the the ten brackets, however many uh, commandments of football kit design. Yeah, it's basically us telling you all listeners like what we think about the state of the football kit design world uh giving you an insight into our opinions on things um what we're happy about what we're not happy about and who knows some of these opinions of ours may chime with you and uh you may completely disagree with some of the things we're saying but um either way it'd be good if you could get in touch with us we haven't got many communications channels set up at the moment because we're only just starting out here um but we've got an email address and we've got a twitter account so we will give you details of those a bit later on but bear that in mind uh because you know there may be things you want to contact us about or uh, tell us about and stuff like that but um but before we come on to that rich should we do a little bit of kit news first yeah, why not? Although I was just uh, just going to correct you there, um, Grandad. It is, of course, <laughs> X, not Twitter. I Although, don't care. Personally, nobody calls it X, so we're still oh, calling it Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> this is one, yeah, if you're looking for differences between this podcast and any previous ones we've done, I think what you may find, listeners, is that, speaking personally, I may be a bit more free and easy with some of my opinions. In the past, you know, I've tried to be a bit tactful, sit on the fence a bit, maybe, you know, try and be polite and friendly but you know as you get to a certain age i think you do sort of start thinking well i don't know i think i could be a little bit controversial from time to time and there may be a little bit of that creeping in i just want to give you four a forewarning of that i'm i just think you know you only live once you might as well sort of say things how you really mean them so uh 
Basically, Chris is saying that he's got old now, so that he's basically <laughs> become really right wing in his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> old, I will accept. Right wing, I will not yeah. accept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically, if it ain't past nineteen seventy-five, it ain't any good, in it, Chris? <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I may have been fifty when we did the last. Kipless podcast, but I'm certainly in my 50s now, so that gives you some idea, ladies and gentlemen. There are far too many young people doing podcasts about football kit design, and, and we are here to put a stop to that. Yeah, we're to, we're here to give the geriatric views. <laughs> yeah, now, if you want to hear old people's views on things, that's what we're here for. Um, but yes, um, uh, the, the the fact is, we are going to be doing a little bit of kit news in every episode. Um, not much, just we're just going to give you a few a few little snippets every time. But we are recording this in the first week of January 2024, and naturally enough, there's not a lot going on as far as kit news is concerned. And, and what what is out on the social media channels and stuff is it's all about leaks. But it's all you know leaks for national teams and clubs, and it's and it's third kits and fourth kits and not much of any real substance but I mean I've got a few things here just to sort of put put, put under your noses and, and those of you listening in may have already seen some of this stuff you may have seen it already but basically um, first of all literally in the last day or two it's been reported that um, Uruguay's kit deal with Puma has come to an end as of the end of 2023 and there's not a uh, there's not been an announcement yet as to who's replacing Puma so it'll be interesting to see what happens there they may extend Puma's deal for all we know but at the same time they may switch to somebody else Richard might go with you know a Nike or a you know Adidas for all we know who knows but uh, that one's there's a bit of a question mark for that one um elsewhere um, as we speak, uh, Crystal Palace have worn their fourth kit for this season, uh, which is essentially raising funds for the Palace for Life Foundation, which aims to improve the lives of young people in South London. And it was worn, um, it will be worn by the women's team in their FA Cup match against Chatham. I think that's already taken place, actually. Um, and it was worn by the men's team in their FA Cup third round match against Everton on January the 5th, so a couple of days ago I was recording this, and it's basically a blue shirt with a white and red diagonal sash, which looks very nice. Uh, it reminds me, because I am old, of Man City's third kit from the 72-73 season, uh, although apparently, according to the blurb, it's said to be inspired by the 1985-86 alternative kit, or away kit, as we used to call it back then. Um, only a 1,000 of those shirts have been made available, and uh, it will retail at ninety pounds. It's uh, it's quite a nice one. I quite like it. Rich, what do you reckon on that one? It's a nice shirt. Yeah, I like it. Um, love the design. I've got a bit of an issue with that retailing at ninety pounds, though. I mean, <sighs> oh yes. It, it depends what you get with it. Now, if you get a cardboard box that it's presented in, that's worth ninety pounds. But <laughs> but if it's just a shirt, a shirt in a bag. Yeah. A shirt and a bag. Where's the justification for that? It's just that. That's one thing that annoys me actually about. Oh, I hate to say about the modern world, but the problem. I, mean, I don't think I'm alone in this. I think uh, most people are on our side with this viewpoint. The price of shirts is ridiculous, and I think to charge. I mean, say like their normal shirts are probably about sixty quid or something, which is hmm. a ridiculous price to start with. But if you're going to charge an extra fifty percent on top of that just for a limited edition shirt. Mm. 
I mean, I, you know, I hold my hands up and I have fueled the limited edition shirts market for many a year. <laughs> but even I have my limits. It's like, like I say, if you're doing a nice presentation box and it's like you know, something that it's actually, it feels like it's worth owning. Fair enough. But mm. if you're literally just going, this is an extra kit that we're doing. It's for a reason, whatever. You know, and we're going to charge ninety quid for it. And mm. it's. I mean, and how much of that is going... Are they doing that for charity or something? Is, is any of the profits going to... I mean, it says it will new, help raise funds for the New Palace for Life Foundation. But again, that's fine. But are they going to put that, all that extra 30 quid towards it? I doubt mm. it. You know, it's like... So they're still going to make an, a crap ton of money on it. I just think that's... Well, like I say, I don't know what the actual package was, if it actually was available, like with, you know, any limited edition packaging or anything like that. Not that that particularly makes it worth 30 quid more, but you know what I mean? Well, at it's at least something special. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just annoys when they release, you know, expensive shirts that are just a shirt in a bag. It's like, that's 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 not on. Anyway, yeah, nice shirt. Sorry. <laughs> but a nice time. shirt. Yes. Yes. Um, as we're recording this, it's FA Cup third round weekend, and uh, Arsenal will once again be wearing a No More Red kit. Uh, for anyone who's not up to speed with this, basically it's an all-white kit this season that Arsenal are wearing in the FA Cup. And it's to promote a campaign aiming to prevent knife crime and youth violence. So uh, obviously no red you know, symbolism with blood being spilt and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, Arsenal will be wearing it in their match against Liverpool, which is taking place this very day. And uh, the they they're saying that the, this unique kit will not be available uh, for sale to the public. That's uh, according to footballfashion.org, which is a bit of a shame in a way. Rich, I don't know if that's something they always do every year, but it strikes me it's a very nice. It's a what you might call a white out shirt. All the trim and all that is in white on a white background, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans that would have liked to have got their hands on that. But um, what do you reckon? Well, um, so apparently from what I know about this, um, they, I think the last few years they'd auctioned the shirts off, but mm-hmm. what they're doing this year, apparently the actual shirts that are worn, the match worn shirts, I think they're giving them to, um, people who are doing community work, ah, um, and okay. sort of actually doing a lot to end knife crime as a kind of like reward. So I, I, I read that somewhere. Um, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just on the Arsenal site at the moment. It basically says, it says the kit will never be for sale, but a bespoke community T-shirt will be available to purchase from the stores uh, with 100% of the retail price, which is £30, being donated in equal proportions to basically the two charity partners. So that's pretty good. Um, yep. I mean, personally, I'm a fan of not making the replicas on this. I don't. Mm. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's it. I mean, I like the fact that they're actually rate, they're actually doing a, a T-shirt, which will the profits are going to charity because that's helping raise money for the charity. But there's mm. there's something about this particular cause. I just feel that they've made the right call in not doing replica shirts because the problem is it's because of the I suppose the sensitive nature of the actual topic. You know, this is knife crime. This is about mm. people dying or being severely injured and stuff. It just seems. It would just seem a bit of a crass thing to do to make, you know, to sell shirts and make money on it. Okay, mm. yes, they could give all the all the the um, 
the proceeds to charity. But I just think they've made the right call in not doing that. And I like the idea, actually, this time, rather than auctioning the shirts off, I like the idea that they're actually finding another way to make money for the charity hmm. and then actually gifting these to people who are already doing this thing, you know, they're already yeah, yeah. working towards this aim. I think that's a really nice touch. And the shirt's really nice. I mean, yeah, this is the sort of thing where it's because they're not trying to, they're not, you know, like the Crystal Palace one where they're just selling them for 90 quid each. This is something where they're doing something and not trying to fleece the fans on it. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I mean, okay, people can argue about the fact they're selling that T-shirt, but because it's not a football shirt, you don't, you know, people aren't going to feel the need to buy it. Hmm. They'll buy it if they want to and if they want to support the charity, but because they're not releasing a shirt, you won't get people like collectors trying to get one and you won't get people who always buy every Arsenal shirt feeling like they've got to buy it. Hmm. And also, you won't end up with a load of, you know, scalpers buying these shirts and then selling them on extortionate prices. Yeah. So I, I just feel they made the right call. I just I think it's a really nice touch what hmm. they're doing. So yeah, I like that one. Cool. Yes, very good. So there's that one, and then this is sort of new old news because um, this came out I think just before Christmas actually 2023, and that is that uh, Lincoln City have launched a new badge, uh, the Imps as they're known. Uh, they're going back to the logo that they last had in the early 90s. Uh, the one they've had more recently is quite a sort of an intricate, detailed um, drawing of an imp, <laughs> let's say. Um, but um, the one they had before that, when I was growing up as a kid and collecting panini stickers and stuff like that, was more of a more of a sort of corporate-looking logo using just like a, a thick outline of the particular details, and that's what they're going back to. However. Um, it's only a temporary change from what I led to believe. Um, Lincoln City's board of directors proposed the change following positive feedback to the limited reintroduction of the badge, with fans given their say through a consultation period. Uh, 77% of eligible supporters voted in favour of reverting to that, uh, to that new old design from the 80s and I'm quite pleased about that I'd like to see them bring it back on a permanent basis and maybe neaten it up slightly but even if they didn't do that I just think it looks a lot better you know especially you know obviously if it's going to be on websites and TV and all that then it's just it's just a much clearer depiction of the of the badge what are you thinking about that one Rich? Uh, I tend to agree um, I think it's a it's a, yeah it's much cleaner I think the old one was a bit too kind of overly fussy and detailed hmm. um the one thing i do like though is it, it kind of the new one is it kind of looks like it's been done using a stencil set <laughs> there's one for the kids oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear yes indeed Can't or one of those ones where you fixed a thing and you rotated it and then drew the next line and then you rotated it again and drew the next line you're not That's talking about spirograph are you no, not Spirograph. This no, that, that is really is again one for the kids here um, <laughs> with your computers and that. Um, this was literally it was a sort of stencil set. I think my brother got it for Christmas one year, um, and it was you sort of fix this ring to your paper. Yeah, it was dinosaurs that he had, and then what you did was you had you had an inner circle thing that you put in the ring. Yes, and you drew the numbered line like number one and then you had to rotate it to number two and then you drew that and by the time you'd finished doing it you took it all off and there was a dinosaur underneath it it was like Mm. a really strange way of doing it i don't know what i don't know what the theory behind it was but 
that's what it reminded me of. Um, so there you go. <laughs> Nobody will know what I'm talking about. No, but um, as if, usual, if if we, if we can find a picture of it, we'll post it on our uh, Twitter slash X account. Um, <laughs> I don't even it... know what to look up. <laughs> <laughs> Rotating stencil dinosaur set or something. Someone will know. know. Someone always knows these things. Someone does, yeah. And I mean, not really news, but this is something. Literally, I was researching something else the other day and stumbled upon this because it completely passed me by. But apparently, Cambridge United have got a new logo as well, and that came out in September. So, <laughs> like, what? Um, and it's it's quite a nice sort of modern looking logo. It um, it makes use of the sort of book uh, motif that they've had on previous uh, badges and logos and things, or you know, not. I don't know. It's, it's it's supposed to be obviously because Cambridge is a university town and all that, so it's academia and stuff. But it looks quite nice for all that. I just thought I'd throw that in because I literally only discovered that a few days ago. Uh, shame on me. Uh, but well done, Cambridge United, for for finding such a, a nice uh, for for getting such a nice logo at the end of the uh, uh, what do you call it? I'm, I've lost the capacity to speak. It turns out that's that's going to be good, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> nice logo. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a nice logo. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, their old logo was a bit naff, wasn't it? It couldn't, couldn't be any it's, worse. It's like it. a football with CU written on it. <laughs> and then the best part is, there's a, the, the thing I liked about the old logo was they have a little sort of castle thing at the top, yeah. but that just makes it look like a sort of watch strap. or like <laughs> It looks like a, one of the old nurse's watches that you get that you're upside down. You. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my the way my brain works but yeah it is actually quite an, a nice logo um still not amazing but not I, I best, think i prefer but... that one no it's quite nice though you know see i rock it. i said um like they've gone back to the book motif and i started even as i was saying that i was doubting myself i was thinking did they used to have a book and they did i've just looked it up uh, if you um I mean, heaven knows how you search. I think if you type in Cambridge United badge Panini, hopefully you'll see an image there that's been on eBay. And it's the logo that Cambridge United had back in the 70s. And it was sort of similar. It was like a round circle. And inside the circle was what appeared to be a football reading a book. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave you to discover that. 70, so, 78 to 86, apparently, that, yeah. that logo was used. So I wasn't imagining that. They actually, that was a real thing. Yeah. I like football reading a book. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Um, what can I tell you? Anyway, so there you go. That's your kit news headlines for this podcast. Just a few bits of news because, as I say, it's generally all a bit sort of quiet and nothing of any great importance this mo- uh, at this point in time. is mostly leaks. So uh, if when, when something more important comes along, we shall tell you about it on a future podcast. You can be sure of that. Right then, Rich, I think uh, we, now, we now plunge headlong into our uh, Devil Wears Pallada Ten Commandments open brackets asterisk may not be ten in the full you know, fullness of time. Um, but why don't you go first? Would you um, give us your first edict, uh, which reflects how you feel about the world of football kit design? I will, and, and I have re- actually written them all as commandments as well. <laughs> uh, so my first With a fountain pen uh, on some like papyrus or something. No, I chipped out on stone. Obviously, I've oh, got oh. the whole hog. It's not just written on my phone or anything. You know? <laughs> um, so my my number one, and it, this is not necessarily in any order. This is well, we can always, you know, I don't yeah. think the original Ten Commandments were in any particular <clears throat> order of import, were they? No. Um, 
No. Uh, so my first one is, thou shalt not treat pre-match gear as kit. <laughs> and this is this is one of my big bugbears about the mo- the modern kit world or kit scene, is the amount of pre-match things that keep getting released and keep mm. getting... It's just... It's, it, I don't, again, and I'm going to have to be very specific with this, I don't have an issue with pre-match stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with pre-match stuff being sold in as a leisure item. But that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. a leisure item. It is not part of the kit. It is not a football shirt. It might look like one, and nowadays they're starting to put the badge on as well and the manufacturer's logo, so it looks like a football shirt. But it is not a football shirt. It's a leisure <laughs> shirt, and what bugs me is not that these exist, I've said this before, it's the fact that some people talk about them like they are actual kit. Because uh. they're not. <laughs> and they shouldn't be treated like that. And thou shalt not, therefore, do that. Yes, quite right too. I can only agree with that. Um, you have my wholehearted support to uh, commit that to the next stone tablet you have happen to be chipping away on. Um I can't really add much more to that because I mean we've had we've sort of mentioned some of this before in previous podcasts and things, but it is it is true. We are living in a world now where just about any garment you wear before, during, or after a match is kind of put out there into the commercial world and then sort of inflated in stature as if it's important. Whereas actually, really, the important stuff is the kit that's getting worn on the pitch because they're you know they're the highly paid people that are providing entertainment for us all. You know what they wear when they they go to the toilet in the middle of the night. I couldn't care less about, frankly. But anyway, there we go. Very good, good start. Um, now you see, in terms of the ones that I've written down, um, I think this is probably the same for yours as well, Rich. There's some some of them are aimed at like the kit designers. Some of them are aimed at the teams. Some of them are aimed at maybe I don't know. There's some of these are aimed at sort of different groups of people, really. And I just want to say, see, I wrote these a few weeks ago, as, as probably Rich did as well. But we had a bit of a false start, just to kind of let you in on the magic, everyone. Like, we tried to record this podcast before Christmas 2023, and my microphone stopped working. Like, I think I actually officially wore it out after several years of podcasting. So therefore, that's why this podcast is a little bit late in arriving. So anyway, I'd written all these commandments, and now I've forgotten half of the things I've written down. So I'm, I, this is going to be as much of a discovery for me as it is for anybody, really. But anyway, my first one uh, says, uh, this is aimed at designers, the leg length of shorts shall be no more than three quarters of the distance between groin and knee. Now, this is um, this is basically me sort of moaning a bit at the fact that we've had really 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 long shorts to the extent that they just merge from the the, the bottom of the shorts straight into the socks there is no gap there is no delineation there's no way of telling where the shorts stop and the socks start let's try saying that three times um so therefore i propose that you know in terms of having shorts we should roughly aim for you know about three quarter length between groin and knee this is our this is you know just a suggestion it doesn't have to be between the groin exactly because i for one won't be applying a tape measure to anybody um but that's just a guideline that's what i'm laying down what do you feel about that rich i'm happy to go with that as well (laughs) good no opposition so far this is going tremendously well (laughs) 
yeah no i agree with that i think um i think uh well we i mean obviously me and you chris would have were around we were around in the 80s when shorts were short oh, yes. you know um and sometimes in I, I, I hopefully we never yeah exactly hopefully we never return to those dark days um <laughs> But I mean, a lot of things were were acceptable in the eighties, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, um, radio one yeah, DJs. I think I, <clears throat> I'd say say no more now than now then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm like when we've talked about this before. Like when the Tottenham shorts came out in the in the FA Cup final in it was it was ninety one, and everyone laughed. But then I think, to be honest, they're probably about the right length of short. Mm. I don't like short shorts, but I don't like shorts that are overly long. And the thing is, I don't get it. It's right. Kit designers spend so much time and marketeers hype it up so much about performance shirts and like, you know, trying to make shirts as aerodynamic as possible and, you know, to fit with the movement of players as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So that their kind of their 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 movement is unhindered, and then they go and give them shorts that are right past the knee, and it's <laughs> like that is surely going to cause more drag if you're worried about blooming drag coefficients. That's yeah. going to cause more problems than a a, shirt, a slightly flappy shirt. So it's like it it makes no sense, and they just look ridiculous. And I don't care if I sound like an old man there; they look bloody ridiculous. These people should cut their shorts to a kind of correct length, and they shouldn't have long hair either. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, marvelous. That's good. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for your um your your backing me up on that particular point. That's good. What is your second uh, commandment? Um, this is going to be a bit controversial for me, um, and I'm not entirely sure I even agree with it myself, but I've put, thou shalt not have more than three kits in any one season, brackets, up to one anniversary shirt or special edition is allowed. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously what I mean by this is like, you've got the ridiculous scenario a couple of years ago where Napoli had 11 shirts in one season. Oh, God. Um, yes. And the stupid thing was, like, about six of them were the Diego Maradona one, <laughs> which they released in, like, three different colours, and then later in the season released them again with a slightly different design. <laughs> it's like Napoli have been leading the way in, in sort of having way too many shirts. It's like, yeah. but you just don't need more than... I mean, some teams don't even need more than two, realistically. Mm. But like I say, I can understand the third shirts in some cases. Um, and actually, a commandment I don't think I've written down but really should apply is third shirts should actually be something unique, you know, f- or different, in, in effect, from the home and the away shirt. That's the point of them. They're yeah. supposed to be an alternative to where the home and away clashes. Not almost a replica of the home shirt or the away shirt in the same sort of shades and colours. That's not. Anyway, so I'm getting off the point. <laughs> so, yeah. You can have a home shirt, you have an away shirt, you have a third shirt if necessary, and you can have one extra shirt a season. Be that European shirt or an anniversary shirt or a special edition. You can have one per season. That's it. You've got to choose what you're doing. And, sorry, you don't need more than that. Because that is then just fleecing the fans <laughs> and the idiot collectors like me that buy them all. <laughs> now, I mean, broadly speaking, I support your commandment there. However, as will become clear in my list, I've got, I think, a few different commandments that sort of cover that 
general area in terms of kits and what they should be used for and how many there should be. So I'm going to say hold fire on that because I think we may need to come to a common consensus between what you've just said and what I may be about to say on my list. So just hold that thought. Fair enough. We, we may need to just sort of reach an agreement, sit around the table. And uh, we can't do that because I'm in New Zealand and you're in in, in uh, the UK. So, But metaphorically speaking, at least. Um, anyway, well, with that in mind, I shall proceed with my second commandment, which is the redesign of club badges shall only take place once every 35 years. Now, that probably seems very specific and exact. And there's a reason for that. It's because I have spent a lot of time trying to hit upon the exact number there and I believe it to be appropriate because we've seen a lot of you know badge redesigning in recent years it's it's becoming a thing now and some clubs change their badges more often than others but I do feel that for those clubs that do change their badges regularly they need to be sort of brought back in line and there needs to be an absolute fixed period in which you're not allowed to change your badge design it needs to be given time to be appreciated and used and so on so i i sort of propose really that 35 years is a good period of time however i am prepared to listen to any views you may have on that subject rich i i mean my first thought is 35 years is one hell of a long time (laughs) yes um uh Oh, sorry, Min- uh, I minutes, would... I mean. Sorry, not not years, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would personally say, if you were going to put a time limit on it, I would probably limit it to maybe once a generation. Mm-hmm. So let's call a generation 25 20 years. Or something, 25 years. Um, okay. Because I know what you mean. The thing is, I mean, for instance, like, Cov have had their badge since the mid-80s. So we've actually had ours a long time, you know, like 40 years. Yeah. Um. And if that would have meant we were, ironically, actually, it, when we changed it um, for one season, that was 2013. So that would have been 30 years after we'd had the original, um, the badge we've got now. And I actually liked the badge they came up with because it was basically a modernization of the badge we had in the 60s when we when we were the, you know first became the Sky Blues. Mm. And I actually would have been happy if we'd have changed our badge to that yeah. because it was. It was decent. I mean, we. I think around about 2005, they redesigned the badge for Cough City, and it was just awful. It was just such mm. a modern corporate clip art design, like that horrible Leeds one with the, <laughs> the stupid arm on it. Um, <laughs> and it was just... Yeah, I think the redesigned badge in 2013, I'd have been happy with changing it to that. I love our badge. I love the Cough City badge. Hmm. I think it's one of the nicest badges in all of football. Absolutely. And and not just because I'm biased. I just think it's got a lot of things going for it. And the way that actually they've simplified it over the years, because they've they've if you look at the lines you know it's not as detailed as it used to be but Mm. they've kept the the main detail in it so it's still got all the original features um but at the same time you know i I suppose the thing is it's like what happens then if you miss the 35 year window do you you, do you have to keep it for another 35 years or is it just that you can't change it once like you know that's a minimum period of time that you can't change it yeah, I mean, like, so if you if if you change your change your badge, you've then you can't faff around with it and fluff around for thirty five years 
And then at the end of that period, that's your early, that's your first chance to change it again. If you want to keep it longer, you can keep it longer. Um, that's, that's general. I mean, I must, uh, I said about how I'd written these commandments a few weeks ago and then forgot half of what I'd written. I, as soon as I said 35 years, my top lip went a bit dry and I thought, Oh dear, that seems a bit, a bit much. I don't know how I did arrive at that actually, but because if you think about it, it's 2024 now. So that means a badge that was created in 1989 would come up for renewal now. And that seems like quite a long while. So I think maybe I should dial it down a bit to what should we say? 25 years as a, some, I'd, I'd say that's a more realistic thing because, yes. like you say, it's. I think I. I would say yeah, once a generation because maybe in that way you say well every generation has its own badge. And hmm. like, if you, I mean, like you're saying, if you like the current badge, you can keep it. I think the only issue you've got is if you'd stipulated that, especially mind you. Actually, no. I was about to say if you'd done that, then that would mean that if someone designs a, ter- a terrible badge. You can't then sort of change it for 25 years. Hmm. However, if you can't change it for 25 years, maybe they'd put a bit more thought into it and actually a bit more fan interaction. There you go. Um, because again, like I say, if it's every 25 years, that badge is that generation's badge. Yeah. So get the fans to agree on it. Get a badge. I mean, it, like you say, don't have to change it. But if you are changing it, you get the fans' agreement, and then for that generation of fans, it stays. And mm. then the next generation of fans can choose another badge if they want. There you go. I think. And then again, like I say, because you can't faff around with it, you know, every couple of years, it might actually force people to take a bit more consideration before changing it. Correct. So I'm, I'm, I'm on board with it. I'm, <clears throat> I'm kind of half on board with it because. I quite like it when clubs change their badges purely because I like to see the reaction of fans and, you know, <laughs> a lot of them go crazy over it. Yeah, I just love the outrage at times. Um, but I think that's a sensible suggestion. I like that. And I mean, you know, for all I know, there may be a commandment on your list which is to do with badges. So, we, you know, we have to just be a little bit sort of wary and we'll see. But anyway, there you go. So that was my second suggestion. So back to you, Rich. <laughs> right, okay. My third one is thou shalt not have crossovers with unrelated sports. Brackets <laughs> jump man exclamation mark. <laughs> I mean I've I've yeah. moaned about this since day one. <laughs> I cannot stand the Nike uh shirts that have the Jumpman logo on it. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with football. <laughs> I don't care that you that you happen to sponsor Michael Jordan. I don't care. It is nothing to do with football. Get that crap off football <laughs> kit. It does not have a place there. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Concise. Um, I'm I'm inclined to agree, and I know the aforementioned Jay from DesignFootball.com will will be uh, recoiling at this point because he's a big fan of the jump man thing. But I I have to say. I'm with you on this one, Rich. Sorry, Jay, but uh, but there we are. Face facts. It's rampant commercialization. Um, it, you're right. It's if even if it was just a generic logo for nothing in particular, you'd be sort of saying, "But what's that on there for?" But the fact that it's a logo from a complete other sport makes no kind of sense at all, and it just confuses me, and it confuses other people in their fifties. You know. Um, it, it shouldn't be allowed, frankly. Um, I mean, make it so, if it's a logo for some, even if it was like, you know, like the, in the news headlines that we mentioned earlier on about these kind of campaigns that clubs run, uh, to, to get promotion for a particular thing that they're running, you know, anti-violence campaign or whatever. And there's a logo for that. 
You put that on a shirt. Fine, I haven't got a problem with that. But don't give me some fellow who plays basketball as a rendered as a silhouette. Just no, no. You're quite right, Rich. I'm, du- I'm double rubber stamping that one. I mean, I couldn't. Again, I could understand if, say, Michael Jordan had bought a football club hmm. or was sponsoring a football club or had anything to do with a football club. <laughs> but he doesn't. No. He has nothing to do with it. And so it's just like you said. It's just marketeering and it's just commercialism and money grabbing i don't have an issue with modern designs i don't have an issue with modern ideas what i do have an issue what issue <laughs> what i do have an, Bless you. an, an issue with um <laughs> uh yeah what i do have an issue with is just money making for the sake of making money yes. and that is purely that mm-hmm. um so yeah don't like it down with that sort of thing Indeed. I don't even have a problem with Michael Jordan, per se. It's just, you know, it's just obviously it's commercial, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Representation, that's the word. Yes. Anyway. Right. Well, my next commandment is as follows. It says, thou shalt, start again, I can't even get the words out. Thou shalt not feel obliged to create a backstory for a new kit design. Just to design a great kit, no bullshit. And now that's aimed at designers, obviously, um, because we all know when, you know, there's so many kit launches these days and, and there's so many that you, you read the blurb if you, if you're brave enough and it's just twaddle, isn't it? It's absolute twaddle. It's like there's some trying to create some connection with the local area or some aspect of the city, local city's history or, you know, it's like it, you're trying to convince us designer that when you sat down at your computer and created this kit that that was the that was the thing in your mind well i'm not buying it and what i would find really refreshing is if you actually launched a kit and said there's no backstory of this i just designed it like this because i thought it would look quite good like that would that would mean the world to me but of course you don't get that these days and um i'm not happy about it so that's that over to you for your view on that, Rich. I, I'm I'm happy with that as well. <laughs> I think it's. Yes. Uh, I, mean, I was trying to think. There was a Man U shirt a couple of seasons ago. Um, <clears throat> I was just trying to look at it, but trying to find it, and I, I can't think. Oh, was it? The, the, no, it wasn't the Dazzle Ships one, was it? The sort of zebra one. Mm. It was one they had, and it was there was a certain design element on it, and it, they said it was based on something from like a hundred years ago. Mm. And there was like, it was, and it was, it, maybe it was something to do with Old Trafford or something like that, or, or an away kit they'd worn like a hundred years ago or something. Mm. And it was the most tenuous link possible. And like you, what you say, why does it have to have a, a meaning for it? Mm. Why does it have to have a backstory? It doesn't. It's a shirt. It's like, just design the shirt. I mean, I like, I'm not saying don't take inspiration. Hmm. from previous things and i don't mind if they have taken inspiration from it and then they can say oh look this is inspired by but like you say you don't have to do that for everything if you've designed a shirt and it just is a shirt that is cool is is great that's fine (laughs) that's that's not a problem it doesn't have to have its own origin film you know (laughs) it's not wolverine (laughs) 
and so yeah i do agree i mean like i say i don't mind if there is a genuine backstory like that's what was inspired it but when you like you said when you know it's a tenuous link mm. when it's obvious that they've just kind of designed a shirt and then gone oh how are we going to justify this to the fans i know let's tell them it was based on uh, 1973 cup final ribbons or something mm. you know not even the shirt it's like and the fans are just sitting there going we know that's bollocks <laughs> you know <laughs> that's just crap it's just which is sure i think they tend to do it a lot as well with shirts that they know are going to be a bit controversial because mm-hmm. then they're trying to justify why they've done that design mm-hmm. but yeah i remember i think it was um i think it was like 2006 when they released one of the england kits and they were bigging up the socks mm. saying you know that these socks are going to give you increase your performance by six percent due to some like new pattern weave in them, and it's like, oh come on! <laughs> it's like, as as a designer, we know that you're earning a lot of money, but you don't have to justify it by being a storyteller. Like we're happy for you to justify it by just making a nice kit, you know, and and no one will argue with that. You do your job. But like, just yeah. In fact, it's not. It's unfair to aim that at the designers because it's not the designers that write the marketing spiel. But you know, they the the marketers probably you know get all their source crap um, waffle from the designer, I suppose, originally. So yeah, just leave it out. Not necessary. Over to you, Rich. Right. Um, I my next one is a fairly simple one. And that is, thou shalt not have plain backs on shirts with stripes, hoops, <laughs> etc. Um, right. I'm, I'm laughing uh, there. I, is, I am going to jump in there because I swear to you. Go on. I swear on my life. My next one says, thou shalt, dis- this is for teams wearing hoops or stripes. Thou shalt display <laughs> a number on the back of the shirt on a panel if you damn well want to. So go on, right. <laughs> Well, mine is, is is more just aimed at the fact that I'm sick of seeing striped shirts with a plain back. Mm. It just looks wrong. And I get why they do it. You know, I get it. It's because you want to make the number legible. Mm-hmm. But we've lived with this for years. You know, I don't... But then the problem is I've got another commandment that kind of contradicts what I'm about to say. So yeah. I'm on thin ice with this one. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't mind when they have a like a, a, a cutout, if you like. Not a cutout, but like a space for the number. Mm. But at the same time, I do object to that. That's also another commandment I've got. <laughs> because, but it's a slightly different one. I'd Like you say, stick a patch on with the number on yeah. it. Not a problem. Done that for years. Or just do what Newcastle have done this season and just have red numbers, you know. Well, there you go. Where it, they're, they're legible. Admittedly, it'd be a mo- lot more legible with a panel mm. on. I want to think Newcastle have traditionally done, like, like Cov have done when they've had stripes. Yeah. Um but I just don't want to see, and especially if you've got hoops, because hmm. if you've got a hoop shirt, if you don't have it continuing around the back, that's not a hoop. That's a horizontal stripe. Yeah. Yeah, that's not then a hoop shirt. Like, Queen's Park Rangers, if those lines, if those stripes on the shirt don't go all the way around the back, then they don't have a hoop shirt. No. And and they do have traditionally hoop shirts. So it's, yeah, it just annoys me. And like I say, I get the practical reason why it's, what it's done, but I think there's better ways of working with it. Have more legible numbers. Even have an outline around the number if you want, so mm. that it stands out a bit more. Yeah. Or, uh, I suppose the problem is, 
nowadays, no one's going to sew panels onto shirts. <laughs> well, you know, like, back, true. Back in back in our day, when you had like you know, when they'd send the the when the probably the kitman's wife would sit there <laughs> sewing numbers on, and it didn't really matter because you used one set of kits for most of the season yeah. rather than one per game. Um, so yeah, I, I get it. It's 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 a practical thing. It's like sleeve patches, you know. Mm. It's the same reason they have to cut the stripes off for Adidas, you know. But at the same time, no, I'm, I'm sure they'll find a way around it. Yeah, you know, get get Mrs. Smith to <laughs> sew those patches on. <laughs> and I know my, I know I'm just joking. Obviously, I'm referencing the fact that in the 80s and the 70s, it almost certainly would have been the Kitman's wife, yes, uh, rather than the Kitman himself. I'm just, just not, I'm not being sexist no. there. I'm just saying that no. the 80s were sexist. Correct. Peace, <clears throat> peace, sisters. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so even though it's not particularly practical, that's that's my commandment that if you've got striped or hoop shirts, you have to continue those stripes hmm. and hoops all the way over the shirt. There you go. I mean, not sure about sashes though. <laughs> oh god. I mean, what a coincidence! The fact that that just happened to be my next one in effect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose what I'm saying about you can have a panel. I mean, like a sort of uh, a, a, a sublimated panel or an implied panel you know and because there's all these you know, i know a lot of fans sort of say oh you know if you wear a striped shirt then like you're not they object to the fact that you've got some sort of square break in the or rectangular break in the striped pattern on the back and you know that messes up the whole thing I, as far as i said as you said rich either put the number on the stripes in some form because I think we can all cope with it. It might be a bit more difficult to read, but it's like it's not the end of the world. Um, or yeah, there are ways around it. So I, th- I think what we will need to do is go away and, with regards to that particular commandment, we need to do a compromise which kind of incorporates the best of your commandment and the best of my commandment, so that we can deal with hooped and uh, striped shirts. So um, we'll come back to that one, I think. But you can see we're sort of yeah broadly talking about the same sort of thing. Um, so I shall skip that one and go on to my next commandment. And this sort of chimes with something you've said before. And I've got a feeling this might be your first disagreement with something I've said. So it goes like this. It says, um, anniversary kits slash shirts must only be created for centenaries or half centenaries. Example, 120th anniversary shirts will not be permitted. Uh, now, that's just a personal thing for me. You understand? I mean, I think... I'm not being, I'm not being, oh, this is, we're turning into like, you know, right wing people here, but like, this is nothing against foreign countries, but my perception is that in Italy, particularly, they're very fond of like a 92nd anniversary shirt or something, some really minimal, unimportant landmark or anniversary. And I'm not having any of that. I'm, by all means, if it's a centenary or a half centenary, fine, but anything else, I'm sorry, I'm not allowing it, but what's your view on that, Rich? Um, I don't totally disagree with it, actually. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah, the world of anniversary shirts is is a bit ridiculous at times. Like you say, there there definitely have been shirts where it's like a ninety second anniversary. It's like, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, um, one of my favourites though, and I still don't, I still not entirely sure how it happened, was um, someone must, someone Watford fan out there must know uh, that Watford had a their centenary shirt. And then 15 years later, they had their 125th anniversary shirt. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> what happened to the 10 years? <laughs> um, hello? Can anyone explain that? <laughs> um, but either way, 
I, I, I'm I'm not totally on board as you thought I might not be mm-hmm. uh, because I, I don't know. I think 125th. I think maybe if you had it every quarter century that you allowed it as well. Um, 125th anniversaries or 175th anniversaries. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't think anything more than that. Because I just think it, it is ridiculous now. It's like, yeah. I, mean, I suppose the other thing is what as a spin off of that is anniversaries of events. What, uh-huh. What's your take on that? So, for instance, like when Cov released their, I think it was um, at the time, it was 25 years since we'd won the FA Cup. So we released a special shirt that we got mm. hammered in. You know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure about that, you know. It depends what the event is, I suppose, really. Um, but um, I suppose the other thing is it depends on the club as well. Yeah. For instance, for Kov, the FA Cup is our only major trophy. I'm not counting the Czech trade trophy. Um, so, so that's our only real major trophy. So it's therefore going to be worth commemorating hmm. in that sense. You know, it's... it's it's like when Luton won the, the League Cup, you know, in the 80s. It's like something like that is a big event for a club of that size. But, you know, if you've got like... So, I mean, I can understand, say, Man U celebrating, you know, say the 50th anniversary of when they first won the European Cup, because that in itself was a big deal. Yeah. But it's... I don't know. You, I just, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. If, like I said, I might maybe put an amendment into that one <laughs> that you can at least have every like every quarter century as well. Mm. But I'm not. I'm not totally averse to the idea because yeah, I do think some anniversary shirts are are out of you know a, a bit They're ridiculous, yeah, frankly, a bit pointless, really. Yeah, yes. yeah. Fair so, enough. Yeah, I'm not totally against that one. Fair enough. Good. No, I think common sense has prevailed there, um, all things considered. Um, and what of your next one, Richard? <clears throat> have you got a next I'm one? just looking down the list because I, I have, well, I've skipped a few to come up with the, I went to almost to the end of the list with that one, um, purely because I've looked at some of these and they're not that great. <laughs> <laughs> but I will, uh, uh, actually, no, this one I do, this one I definitely, thou shalt not have overly fussy neck designs. <laughs> They are neither practical nor aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> so, mm. and again, uh, I I don't know what it was. Oh, I know. I was watching uh, a program. I was watching, um, oh, what's it called? I don't know. The latest Harlan Coben sort of series that's on Netflix at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there was someone, there's like a girls football team in it. And the neck on there thing was one of those ones you sort of got in the early sort of 2000s yes where it's like just you know like a two pieces coming in from the side and then another piece making up the front of the neck and it's just like i just it just doesn't need it you mm. know your kits don't need overly fussy neck designs they're just like i say they don't look good and they're certainly not practical the amount of like players that end up sort of tearing the neck off or <laughs> or cutting a piece out or something it's like I mean, I mean, I think there was one that Man City had, which had like a sort of weird stick-up collar, yeah. and I think it was, it might have been Carlos Tevez, uh, or one of the players used to sort of cut it out or fold it down because mm. it just gets in the way, and it, it's, it's when, it's when the aesthetic sort of takes precedence over practicality. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, there's nothing wrong with a crew neck, or a V neck, or a wrap over of any of those. A wrap over is about as fancy as a neck needs to get that's it anything more than that 
you're just being a pawn <laughs> and you're just designing it for the sake of it. So there you go. Uh, no overly fussy neck designs. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm not sure I'm fully in agree- agreement, but it is, I think it's all, it's, it's all, it all comes down to the wording. Um, Cause I think you see that necklines and collars are one of the few places where you can do something a bit different and a bit distinctive on a shirt. Uh, so I'm all for a, a bit of invention, but it's whether it's, unnecessarily fussy or impractical which i think is kind of what you're getting at there um it can see it's, it's tricky isn't it because like when when companies do bring out some new neckline that hasn't been seen before which doesn't happen very often i'll admit but when it does happen i think that the initial reaction is like what are they trying to do they're just trying to be like fancy pants about the whole thing and um trying a bit too hard so i think generally speaking i'm with you on that um, you can't go wrong with the old favourites um, and that maybe the designers need to try a little bit harder just to sort of do something distinctive within those parameters um, and forget impractical necklines and stuff like that. So, yes, I think I think we can go with that Yeah, one. I mean, yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, I am talking overly fussy ones. Mm. I'm not against, again, I'm not against experimenting, but it's got to be practical. Anything which annoys the players... And then they start adjusting it. You failed mm. in that sense because you failed in making a garment that players can wear and feel comfortable in, which is that has to trump design every time. Yes. You know, if you've designed something that's actually impractical from a, a wearing and a usage point of view from the people who are using it, then you failed to come up with a good design. I don't care how great the neck, the neck looks, you know, or how innovative it is. It's like you failed your simple task. Mm. So I am talking overly fussy ones, like where they, where it's just not necessary. <laughs> I'll decide. I'll decide what's overly fussy and what isn't. I'll be the arbiter. <laughs> good. Yes. No, I think that that's um, good of you to, to, to put yourself forward for that particular role. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm selfless like that. <laughs> Um, I know we're running out of time because we're going to sort of, largely speaking, we're going to try and aim for about an hour or so uh, on these podcasts. And we're kind of coming up to the hour mark. But uh, speaking personally, I've, I think I've only really got a couple of uh, commandments left. I'll th- quickly throw in one which I'm, is a bit weak. Um, and that is uh, one of my command commandments which said, Thou shalt wear a kit design based on the one you wore on a predetermined year on FA Cup third round day or on Boxing Day. Because that's generally an idea that seems to be sort of gathering a bit of momentum as time goes on. It's FA Cup third round weekend, as we said before, as we're recording this. And you do hear people nowadays say, why don't we make it like that third round weekend is when you wear a retro kit? Well, yeah, I, I, I would go with that. But I think what would be quite fun is if they sort of said in advance, right, we're going to pick a year like 1977. And if you want to wear a retro kit, it's got to be your, like based on your kit from that year. So Coventry City's kit from 77 or, you know, Grimsby Towns or whatever. If you want to wear a retro kit, I think it would be difficult to force it so that everyone has to wear a retro kit. But I think with a few rules here and there, that could work. But, but the overall idea is not an original one. Um, you know, it could be Boxing Day. You know, make it Boxing Day weekend. Although we didn't have any Boxing Day fixtures, did we? In twenty twenty three, I noticed from this distance, um, there was games before Boxing Day and games after. But I don't think anybody played on Boxing Day that time. Certainly not in the Premier League, at least. But um, did they not? 
No, not in the Premier League. No, because I thought, oh, I see. That's the latest little chipping away at tradition. Um, anyway, sorry, that's a minor gripe. I'll move on. Otherwise, that's another I, I, another 45 minutes. I like that idea, though. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like the idea of a retro kit weekend. I definitely think mm. that, that that would be a cool thing to do. I wouldn't specify that you had to specify the actual year, though, because right. I think they should be allowed a bit more freedom. And the one disadvantage if you're doing it in the FA Cup third round is that obviously some teams won't have made it to the third yeah. round. But yeah, on Boxing Day, I think that would be a cool thing to do. Hmm. I, don't, I think quite a lot of people would like a, a retro kit weekend. I think there are some sports they do that in. Hmm. I can't remember if it's... Is it NFL? I'm sure they do it in... It's in some American sport they do it where they have a retro sort of weekend. I'm sure they do. Yes. I'm... And I, I just love that idea. I think it's a really cool idea. Oh. So, yeah, I'm happy with that one. Well, I skimmed past that quickly because uh, I, I thought I thought that was going to be one of my kind of lesser ideas. I didn't I didn't realise you'd be so enthusiastic about it, but that's good. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, right, so skipping through the rest of mine then. So uh, my next one then was... And I, I kind of skipped this earlier because I don't necessarily subscribe to it now. Thou shalt not do novelty kits as a big club when it deprives smaller clubs of revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, what I mean by that is that uh, novelty shirts were always the kind of thing that smaller clubs did. And, you know, like B-Day LFs, AFC mm-hmm. and things like that. And it was a great way of, you know, getting a bit of publicity, getting generating some revenue. And, and it was it was, you know, a novelty. In the last few years, everybody's got what I would class as novelty kits now. They're not even a novelty anymore. They're just like, you know, everyone's got sublimated kits with prints all over them or something crazy in the design. <clears throat> and the minute the big clubs start doing it, that's it's not a novelty anymore. Mm. And the problem for me is, like I say, it used to be a good revenue stream for smaller clubs because collectors would be interested and they'd buy them. The minute bigger clubs are doing it, collectors are going to probably spend their money on that instead of the the lower league clubs because they'll probably hold their value better. Hmm. So therefore, a lower league club is now losing a revenue stream, a potential revenue stream. And it's like the big clubs don't need it. Don't, you know, get out of that market. Get your feet out of that because it's not, it's not yours. It's all right. It's leave it to the the smaller clubs who will actually benefit from it. Yes. Um, but you know, in terms of commandments, go. I'm, I'm not fussed that much. <laughs> it's just taking all the integrity out of that one, um, right at the very end. No, I think that's no. Absolutely, let's be principled about these things, and uh, yes, get get things done the right way. I'll support you on that. Not a problem. Um, my penultimate one, I think, on my list, if I've got this right, it's aimed at the marketing companies, and it says. New kits shall be launched with photography that shows the whole kit in detail, full length, front and back. And uh, that's uh, basically me having a, you know, wagging my finger at the uh, the marketing companies. Because when they launch kits, I know a few other people out there on social media have sort of spotted this. This has happened for a good few years now. You see pictures of the kit from like the waist up, maybe a little bit of the shorts, but you don't see the socks in a lot of cases and you don't often see the back of the kit either it's like do this properly like you've got a photographer there he's taken lots of or she's taken lots of photographs let's see them when you launch the kit don't just show us the shirt and a little bit of the shorts so that's what that's aimed at any instinctive reply there uh, yeah, I like that. Um, one thing that always annoys me is when they do a kit launch and they've got, like, say, three players in a row and they've all got their arms crossed. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I can't see the kit. Move your <laughs> yeah. arms. You know, it's like, yeah, like you say, obvious things like that where they're trying to be cool but ultimately defeats the point because you can't see what they're selling. No. 
Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. It's like 2024. Like, have you not worked out how to optimize your this whole procedure, like, so that everyone gets the benefit? Like, you're launching a new kit. Let's see it properly. Right. Uh, moan over. Um, any more on your list, Rich? Yeah, I've, I've, I've got a few. Um, yep. So the next one is uh, Thou shalt not wear your socks over the knee. <laughs> Uh, rolled down to the ankles is acceptable as Platini made it cool. Oh. It, it, I'd go so far as to say make that compulsory, like you know, because you don't get you don't see much on the socks. Do you? There's never much. I mean, you might have hoops on the socks, but you know, other than that, most teams I'm going to suggest wear relatively plain socks. So roll them down, be cool, good, excellent. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I wasn't expecting that, left. but I'm, 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 that's very far sighted. If you don't mind my saying. <laughs> Uh, you got any more then? Are you are you have you run out of have you run out now? I've got I've got one more, and my last one that I've got on my list is, and this is aimed at kit news websites, and it's thou shalt only report on new football kits, not pre-match shirts, not remake shirts, not retro shirts, not training kits, just new football kits and that chimes with i think something that you said earlier on essentially which is you know um adding value to the actual shirts and kits not all the other crap so i knew i'd written something on that subject and there it was right at the bottom of my list i'm, I'm not sure i'm totally on board with that one pre-match shirts, yeah, <laughs> sack them off completely but things like retro shirts things like that that's the sort of thing that collectors are interested in so i would have to say as a collector myself i quite like it when when I get to find out if there's a retro shirt. Although, I would say, I, um, yeah, if it's, say, like, score draw or whatever, it's like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's not an actual kit. If it's something the clubs are doing themselves, I mean, like, this season, Coventry, have re- have de- literally, as of yesterday, they're re-releasing the Puma kits from the 90s. Yeah. Although they're not, they're not okay. doing the 94 to 95 away kit, which is the black and green one. But they they've basically relaunched the ninety four to ninety six home and the ninety six uh, the ninety five to ninety six um, away, and it's like but they're with the full pony logo on as well, and it's like what? Wow. <laughs> it's like where did that come from? <laughs> what? And it's like also I know that Match Winner they've teamed up with some of their former clubs, and they are basically like releasing, well basically re-releasing. Shirts like, for instance, with Saint Mirren, yeah. they've re-released the bib shirt and mm. and the away shirt from that season, and they're like identical replicas because they're being done with the original manufacturers. They've got the original manufacturers' logo on, but they've also got the sponsor logo on, so they must have done some deal there as well. And it's the same with um, with the Coventry ones. They've got Peugeot on, and it's like actually no, have they? I'm not sure. I'll check that. But yeah, so I, I'm. Mm. It's difficult because I think things like that collectors would want to know about. So I I, I wouldn't necessarily mm. limit it to that. But yeah, um, what you call it? Um, the other ones, the pre-match shirts. Yeah, they can just they can get rid of. Oh no, just look, they have got the Peugeot logo on. How weird. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> right. So um, let's see what I've got left. I've, I think I've only got a couple left. Um, yeah, I've got thou shalt not have cutouts for numbers as part of a shirt design. Sewn on panels are acceptable where stripes are concerned. And like I said, I did kind of, I'm kind of almost going to contradict myself from earlier. 
I, I think on a striped shirt, it's useful to have a, a square panel. But what I don't like is where they've done, you know, a circle or a shield or something like that. Mm. To be fair, I'm, this is mostly the 90s. They tended to do that. So I'm kind of a bit behind the curve on that one. Um, but I don't like it when they do it because it looks stupid on replica shirts. And replica shirts mm-hmm. are a big market. You can't just ignore them when you're designing your kits. So... Yeah. yeah, I don't like it. But at the same time, that's not a hill I'd die on, you know. <laughs> just and it, to be honest, it's not really a problem anymore. It was mainly the nineties. I just haven't got over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, fine, all fine. Uh, yes. Have you got any more then, or um, was that your last one? Well, the, yeah, there was another one, but it was really unfocused. <clears throat> when I read it back just before we started recording, I thought that doesn't even make any sense. But I think what I was driving at was essentially to. My my initial thought was to insist on clubs specifying their away kit colours, which should be by default sort of traditional. So, for instance, you know, if we take Arsenal, for instance, in the past, certainly in the 70s, um, going back that far, they used to wear yellow shirts and blue shorts. Now, I was thinking that, you, you know, what you should do maybe is to pin these clubs down and say, right, you must have a traditional colour... F- or, you know, let's say yellow and blue for Arsenal as your away kit. And that must be your away kit. Every season must be yellow and blue in some way. Third kit, go for your life. Use any colours you like, because that's kind of what a third kit is for. But So I was kind of going to suggest that teams should nominate and specify in stone what their away kit colours are and that the away kit should follow those colours every season. But I, the more I sort of thought about it, oh, that's a bit restrictive probably. But I think it's just that being an old traditionalist as I am, I do think that um all too often now, away kits, i.e. the secondary kit, as you might call it, just uses colours that have nothing to do with the club's history at all. And you may sort of say that's what the home shirt, the home kit is for. But I think you should extend it to the away kit as well to some extent. But now you're getting teams wearing all sorts of colours on the away kit. And of course, the third kit, you sort of expect it because it's that third kit is made for, you know, making money for the club, really selling shirts in the club shop and all that. But um, so I'd written that, but not in a very kind of concise, coherent way. And I'm, I'm not really going to push that forward, but. Unless you've got any way of making it valid, Rich, in some some form. No, I haven't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Think. No, 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 no. <laughs> I had a feeling I, that. Might I be don't the case. really agree with it. I think I like the idea of it, yeah. um, but I don't think it's it's practical. Um, I think no. it's. I, I don't mind the away shirts having different things. I mean, it, again, the issue there is that you said traditional. But what is traditional? Mm. You know, are we talking from the original days of the shirt? I mean, like when the club was first conceived, are we talking when we remember them, you know, from the eighties or as some kids now would remember them from the nineties or the two thousands? It's like, what is tradition? When does tradition start? And it's like, it's far too subjective, uh, to sort of, mm. I mean, it's like, like I say, you know, I, when I first started supporting Cov, they, yellow was their away color. But traditionally, mm. it's not really been yellow. So, what what is tradition? It's like we don't have one. Um, we've we've changed mm. a lot, and it's like a lot of teams they have as well. So it's like it's difficult to say what should be and shouldn't be. And I think if you fixed it, yes, it would just be it'd be boring as well. You just have constant mm. same color shirts every year. 
Um, that's right. And I think that's kind of why I was realizing I was on slippery ground yeah. there, <laughs> shaky ground or whatever it is. And um, so I, yes, I, I couldn't quite commit to that one. That's one of those things that someone would put on a comment about kits, you know, without really having thought <laughs> yeah. it through. It's like, oh, everyone should have the same kit and it should all be traditional. And then when you go, what's traditional? They go, well, you know, these colors. And you go, well, okay, but the ones that we have chosen, you actually had those like 10 years before that. So it's technically mm. traditional. Well, it's not what I remember, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just to use your club as an example, in the 70s, towards the end of the 70s, your club had sort of a wide range of secondary colors, yellow, red, or brown. I mean, like, the, and which one would you go for out of those? I mean, you know. Exactly. For, there'll be exactly. those who say go for brown, others say, well, the yellow is better, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. So exactly. Yes, indeed. So I think, listeners, we have essentially given you a wide range of commandments there. Uh, they are going to be um, written down with a fountain pen on parchment and uh, made official. We might even get it, get the whole thing framed so we can hang it on the wall. But if you have any commandments of your own regarding any aspect or facet of the football kit design world we are in these days, um, we encourage you to get in touch with us and we'll try and read, read out your suggestions and comments uh, on the next podcast if possible because I'm sure that everybody's got their own opinions on some of these things, and, and we'll be the judge of whether they should be committed to history. Um, but um, but anyway, there you go. Be interested to hear what you think about what um, we've just been saying for the last hour or so. Um, that's pretty much it, I think, for the podcast. Uh, any sort of closing thoughts or words, Rich? No, not really. No, just nice to be back podding again. It is nice to be back podding again, absolutely. And we'll be hoping to uh, give you these podcasts uh, roughly every month, uh, about once a month if we can. I would suggest that if there's some kind of big news story coming out or there's a big tournament coming up and we want to do uh, maybe a review of some kits or something like that, then we might occasionally squeeze in an extra one from time to time, you know. But I think generally speaking, we're, we're going to try and make these monthly and uh, another thing as well is if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on a future podcast, any topic, kit-related, shirt-related, whatever it is, uh, that's another reason for you to get in touch with us. So the the only email address we've got at the moment, this is slightly confusing, but if you want to email us, the address is devilkitpod at kitbliss.co.nz. Now that's, everyone's thinking, oh, so this is a Kitbliss production, is it? No, it's not. It's just that when I set up the Kitbliss domain name, they gave me a about five or six um, email accounts and you need one of those to set up uh, an Acast account which is where our podcast will be by the way um, so for the time being at least if you want to email us it's devilkitpod at kitbliss.co.nz I suspect you won't be emailing us because there are far easier and shorter ways of doing that these days one of which is twitter slash x and uh, on that one, our address is, it's twitter.com slash devilkitpod. I think that's right. Have I got that right? Devilkitpod, that's right. Sure, yeah. This is all very new, even to me. So, um, yes, contact us on uh, Twitter. We haven't got a Facebook page yet. We may not ever have one, but... We're, we're also not on Bebo or a Friends Reinvented. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, or MySpace, yes. Yeah, we don't have um, a TikTok account either. Not where we're doing that. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, we might change our mind on Facebook if we've got reason to have one. But at the moment, there's no Facebook page. So, you know, contact us any way you can. Use, you know, use written 
airmail or something if you like i mean for all right i mean as long as you know how to get hold of us um but we do encourage you to contact us uh for that is what this sort of thing is all about right i think that's it uh we've gone over our sort of one hour target by a bit but only by about 15 minutes i think so um i think we'll be all right where that's concerned listeners thank you very much indeed for your time rich great to be talking to you again and uh, i suggest we reconvene one month ish from today how about that sounds good to me excellent okay with that we say goodbye to you for now listeners and uh, speak to you again soon au revoir